It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked. Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's Big Boy Radio. That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's easy to say that, clearly. Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now, here's JT the Yes, Brick. out of the gate, JT, as I'm in the Lotus Studios today with Bobby, my longtime partner here on the radio, as we're ready to roll. Thanks for joining us as we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment, the Stratosphere Arizona Charlies, 64-plus taverns. What a behemoth. What a monster here in town. Head on out to the Strat for entertainment, for food. Go up to the top of the world. Check out the rides. Check out what they're doing with PTs in the lobby. It's a great place to be. The Stratosphere, courtesy of Golden Entertainment. They fuel the monologue. Hope everybody had a good Halloween. How did Halloween go last night? Wife went out last second because you don't know what's going to happen in our neighborhood here in Summerlin, on the mean streets of Summerlin, as Ed Graney would say. And she had reserves. She had candy because my sons are in college. We don't want the candy in the house. Get it out. She went out, and we had two trick-or-treaters. Two. Now, it was interesting, Dad. I want to share this with you because I do the show at night. I do my night show for Sirius from my home. And I'm doing it last night, and my wife was kind enough to take the battery out of the ring, the ring security. That works very nicely, too. That um, doorbell, because you can't have the doorbell going off as I'm on the radio. So we were thinking of lowering the lights and acting like we weren't there. But I said, no, karma. We need some good karma here with the Raiders, the stock market, life in general. It's been a rough couple of weeks here. So I said, let's give out some candy. Only two kids showed up. So we, we, it was a bad beat, as they would say on Scott Van Pelt show. Bad beat. So we brought the candy. I brought some candy in today for Bobby. I brought some candy in today for everybody here. And uh, that was it. A very non-eventful night. As my kids were really young, I used to enjoy it a lot. They get dressed up. Buzz Lightyear. And they were all the Disney characters. They were Kobe. My son one year. He loved Kobe. And uh, I'd be the red Solo Cup dad behind the stroller. You know, the guy with the red Solo Cup and the Modelo. I was that dad for a while. Now the kids are in college. And they're partying that way. So it was an early morning for me today. I was over at the Raiders hosting the Roundtable podcast with Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, Q wasn't there today. He had an appointment. And we ended up doing it with Eddie Pascal. It was pretty damn good. Uh, we, we let loose. They Look, we're the in-house. I'm the in-house radio guy, TV guy. We don't come with pitchforks, okay? We don't do what you want us to do. We don't corner people, yell at them, embarrass them, and fire them. We're the in-house crew. So we had to go and clearly talk about this game, and Lincoln Kennedy was bleeping brilliant. Lincoln talked about the whole game, what happened, why they didn't show up. There were no stats in the game to talk about. Everybody failed. Everybody failed at their job, which is really unfortunate. There's good coaches. There's really good players. I know that because I know what they get paid. Uh, Pro Bowls. There's some good players there. And really, I always put Max aside, but I want to do that today. Because a lot of guys play hard. They all play hard. Hard. They didn't play well. So I think at times, you know, when I say, hey, it's Max and everybody else, that's not fair to do. There's a lot of players that played hard in that game. They just didn't have a good game. 
And as we looked at the game and we looked over the film today, one of the stat sheets that I look at is player percentage. How many percentage of the snaps did you play? And because Darren Waller didn't play, and I'll get to that in a second, Foster Moreau played 100% of the snaps, 58. Here are the gentlemen who played the entire game, 100%. Uh, Foster Moreau, Dylan Parnham, Colton Miller, Andre James, and Alex Bars. Okay, so those guys played 100%. Matt Collins played 91%. Renfro, 79. Carr, who at the end of the game came out. He wasn't benched. The game was over. 76%. And then I got to the defensive side, and something jumped out at me. Divine Diablo played 100% of the snaps. Averett played 100% of the snaps. Rocky Sin played 100% and Trayvon Merrick. All those guys played every play. And all of them are not elite players. They're not. They're just not elite players, and they're asked to play 100% of the game. And then I moved down Cleland Farrell, who could be traded today. He's not as of now played 53% of the snaps. That's up. And Jonathan Abram down to 34. 34% of the snaps for Jonathan Abram. That might have been a mistake. Jonathan Abram probably should have played 70%, 80% because he might have been able to tackle Alvin Kamara because no one else could. So when I look at the numbers here and the stats, I'm going to do this together here. This is radio. This is a microphone. Okay? Ripping it up. Ripping it up. Just throw it in the corner. Just throw it away in the corner. Visuals. I'm sorry. I don't have the visuals for you. It's radio. But I just ripped up the stat sheet. I'm done. But I'm not done with you today calling the show and giving your fair criticism of this team because... While we were happy to host a roundtable today, the guy who made the podcast great, I think, today was Josh McDaniels because he did what he needed to do so we could do the podcast. He apologized to the Raider Nation. It's very rare when a head coach apologizes to a team. Have you ever heard Belichick do it? I've never had. Have you ever heard? I don't know. I don't know many coaches who did. Josh McDaniels, something clicked. Everybody now, some of the insiders, not to name them, they got to stop watch. How long's Josh in there with Mark Davis? 21 minutes? Is it 19? Is it 24? And they got a stopwatch on him. And then they talk about meeting with Mark Davis. Mark Davis might have said, hey, man, I'm pissed off, but what's going on? No one knows what happens earlier than Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels comes in and he speaks to the media, and the first thing he says is, this is on me. This is on me. I apologize to the Raider Nation. I thought that was really good. You got to do that there. You have to do that there because the Raider fans invaded New Orleans and they didn't get their bang for their buck. They didn't get that at all. So he was able to do that. Then the quarterback gave his speech, which is in the file. Just grab the index card. It's in the file that we lost. We didn't play well, but this was maybe the worst game Derek Carr ever played. Not completely his fault. He had no protection and he didn't have Darren Waller who I'll get to in a minute. He didn't have him, and the team was flat, and Derek Carr stood, or he didn't stood, he sat on the bench, and that is becoming now regular. Derek Carr sits on the bench and stares, which you can look at two ways. He stares because he's single-minded focused, and he's concentrating, or you can look at him and say, he's pissed off, something's wrong, He wants to say something he can't, and then he turns it over to you, the fans of the Raider Nation, who could kind of figure out what's happening there. So that's what happened in this game. What happened in this game is the team wasn't prepared. They were outcoached. 
That's obvious. Don't don't even go there. They were completely outcoached. They they came in with the scheme. The scheme didn't cover Alvin Kamara. I mean, how do you do that? I don't know. I don't know how you come into a scheme, and we'll hear from the defensive coordinator. He spoke a little while ago. So Alvin Kamara tore him up, tore him up, and I think most people on this radio show, if I asked you to play defensive coordinator and pretend for a week, you would have had two people on Alvin Kamara. Two. And I think now the Raiders don't have the players to do that anymore. You're asking Divine Diablo to do this? You're really asking Divine Diablo? Now maybe Divine Diablo... Maybe Divine Diablo three years from now develops into a pro bowler and the Raiders can stop Alvin Kamara. Maybe three years from now, there's a new linebacker there that can slow him down. As of now, there is not. So if you put Divine Diablo in, 100% of the plays, by the way, 100%, and he can't stop Alvin Kamara, it's clear and evident to me that you do not have the players that you will line up with next time you play Alvin Kamara. That's called dipping the show in reality. That's saying we don't have the guys to do it, but we have no choice. We have to play them. The former regime drafted them. We inherited them. We haven't been able to get the guys we want yet, and we have a plan. And the plan would have been perfect, by the way, if they beat Arizona and Kansas City. Oh, my God. But who wants to hear JT the Brick say almost, almost, almost again? All, all they had to do was beat Arizona and not collapse. And then we're sitting here with still one game away from being 500 against an inferior team. And everybody in the league's 500. The Niners are 500. Tom Brady's lost three in a row. Green Bay can't buy a win. The Denver Broncos just traded away moments ago Bradley Chubb, their best player. We're all sitting here, man, four and three or three and four. We're like, yeah, we're pretty good. Look at who we're playing here. But as I've said this year, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. To me, it's this big cloud of, like, bad luck. To me, you know, and you could say they're not prepared. They weren't in New Orleans. Uh, They checked out the game. Certain players didn't play. You can do all that. But for me, there's been just a cloud of bad luck over the team, a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda, and a lot of we're close. So what we did on the podcast today is we said no more of this crap. We're close. We're not close. Don't call the show. Don't tell me. Don't. I want to hear the quarterback say, you know, we're, we're you're not close. You just got boat raced. You got in. I didn't say the word humiliated. I would never do that. I work for the team. I would never use that word on this radio show. The insiders in the newspaper did because they cover the team objectively. They're they're journalists. I'm not a journalist. I want the Raiders to win every game. And they said they used humiliated, embarrassed, and all of that. They got boat raced. They got embarrassed, but I won't go down. I won't go much farther there than that. That's not my place to do it. Plus, I don't do that. So the team, we're going to spend another hour on this because next hour I'm loaded. I got the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. We have Shane Knighty, who's the color analyst for the Golden Knights. Tremendous guest. And then we have Paul Gutierrez from Sarasota, Florida, the Raider insider. So I kept the whole hour open for you, the fans of the Raider Nation who didn't get a chance yet because it takes you – it takes you a day or two to kind of live off of this, doesn't it? The great Raider fans. I had two, two of my really good friends went to the game, and they haven't been right. And one of them, who wants to be off the radio, was not a caller, basically said that this is probably the biggest fog he's been in in 20-plus years as a Raider fan. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm in a fog. I haven't been right. I had to fly through Dallas on American Airlines. I had an hour and a half layover. I got home at midnight. I had to go to work on Monday at 8 in the morning. That's a fan. That's a fan. That's who I work for. I work for the team, and I work for the fans. That's it. 
and our advertisers and sponsors, obviously. And the fans give me more adrenaline to do my job and more passion and energy to do my job than any group, the Raider Nation. Not everybody has to agree with me or like me, but I try to do my job every day and give you a platform. So we're going to continue to give the platform on what happened in New Orleans because I think talking about the lack of effort in New Orleans is much more important than previewing the Jaguars. Everybody get that? I mean, at least on a Tuesday, maybe Thursday, we we switch it up a bit. But I still can't figure out why they weren't ready to fire. You know, when you go to a drag race or a NASCAR race or you watch F1, oh, uh, F1 tickets went on sale this morning, 2500 for the grandstand. <laughs> okay, really? $100,000 for a hotel suite for three nights? Here at Inghustone, you know I'm connected. I just don't have Meetup Vegas where I hook you up with me and I'm pretty connected in town. $100,000 for some suites for three nights near the track? Go get ready for that. It's coming. But I think today we should talk about how this team didn't fire like an F1 race car, an Indy car, a NASCAR, where you press the ignition and you're off. Why, why was this team ill-prepared for the New Orleans Saints? I think the coaches all put together a game plan, and it's a really good rock-solid game plan. I think this defensive coordinator doesn't have the players to lock up with Alvin Kamara. Here's the players to stop Andy Dalton and maybe to slow down Olave, the wide receiver. But he doesn't have the players that can tackle in space. Wow, that's a big one. It's football. It's NFL football and you can't tackle in space. That's a problem. And then secondly, I I think they're confused on the defensive side. And Lincoln agreed with me on how to cover. If they cover man-to-man, They feel like they can't do it, so they don't do it. And then they play a zone, which is this high three safety set or their big nickel package, and they don't do that very well because everybody's wide open over the middle of the field. So whatever they're doing on defense, they don't do it well. And I don't know how you're going to fix it with the players that they have as it's a trade deadline today. And they're trying to, I think, protect their powder. That's a term, your gunpowder. They're trying to protect the powder that they have for next year because these guys inherited this team. It's a slow start. A lot of these players won't be here. They want to bring in their own players. And they signed a bunch of players. Now, let me get back to Darren Waller for a second. I really like Darren. I mean, you know that. I've interviewed him, I think, more than anybody on the radio. Uh, Not so much this year, but Darren's been through a lot. Okay? In recovery, everything he's done. He walks the tunnels, which is incredible. He does a lot. I'm a huge fan of Darren Waller. So I don't want this to be taken out of context. I believe when Darren Waller warmed up before that game and he looked like he was good to go, few people thought he was ready to go, they chose not to let him go. That's a great decision from the trainers and the coach if he can't go, and I think that sucked the air out of the room. I think that when you're hoping you're getting Waller back, you're Hunter Renfro, you think you're getting Waller back so there's going to be something open for you, and Waller's not coming out of the tunnel with you, I think that was a gut punch. I think it was a gut punch for Hunter Renfro, It was a gut punch for Devontae. It was a gut punch for Derek Carr that they didn't have Waller ready to go. That's just my theory, and I'll back it up. So without Waller, the team is losing someone who can stretch the field and demands a double team. So we have 11 players on defense. They're only going to rush four. Okay, so that's seven left. Follow me. Two of them, two of them are on Devontae. Two of them are on Waller out of the 11, and they're only rushing four. 
and you don't put Waller out there. Game, set, match. Dennis Allen said, beautiful. We got him dead to rights coming out of the tunnel. He's inactive. Look on the board. He's not playing. You don't have to worry about Foster Moreau. He's not going to tear our ass up. We're good. We're going to double-team Devontae with this trail technique. We're going to single-cover Hunter, who's just not right, so we don't have to worry about him. And then Matt Collins or whatever is not going to come into this dome and beat us, and they boat race the Raiders. So I think that Waller plays a major role going forward if this team is going to save the season, let alone stop the bleeding, the hemorrhaging of getting shut out 24 to nothing. I think that Waller, whatever his status is this weekend, it's the same thing the Jaguars are going to do. And the Jaguars got some really good defensive players and edge rushers. They don't have to blitz. They have four guys that can get after it. And this offensive line, including Colt Miller, they were thrown around like ragdolls, and they were really beat up. So with all that happening now, this is an emergency. This is the first Raiders emergency that I've had on the radio since they moved to Vegas. The record's always been around 500. Remember first year, 500, right? Eight and eight, if I remember. Remember next year, no fans, the vaccination, no fans in the building. They do, they, they, they play pretty well, right? Then they go to the playoffs, Right, with 10 wins. So this team's always been floating around 500. Couple of losses, couple of dramatic wins. This is a five-alarm fire emergency game. So you can put it wherever. I just call it an emergency. I didn't say must win. So you can pick out whatever I said. It's an emergency. It's a five-alarm fire. Every fireman get to the firehouse. Every fire truck get out in front of the truck. and And the ignition needs to start on the fire truck. The hoses need to be unraveled at the fire. Everybody's got to have their helmet on going up the fire. Everybody's got to be going up the fire, carrying ladders, and getting into the fire and doing some work. This is a five-alarm fire in regards to where the schedule is. Okay, that's where we're at. Now, who's going to step up and play at 80%? You don't have to be 100%. No one's 100%. If you're 80, you're on the field. If you haven't tackled, you're going to tackle in this game or you're done. You're benched. We're not playing you. We'll play someone else and we'll rebuild this team. This is go time. I cannot do a radio show every week counting on just Max Crosby. Max is ready to go. Lincoln brought it up on the podcast that debuts today. Lincoln counts on Max. Okay. More. When Lincoln Kennedy was playing football and I was the sideline reporter, Right before the game started, I'm talking two minutes, Lincoln would do these 10-yard walks. He'd just walk 10 yards on the field. No one would go near him. No one. He would just walk in pace, and it'd be like, holy crap. Look at the size of that guy. He is going to kill someone. And you know what I noticed? The other team on the other sideline was looking at Lincoln. He's the biggest guy the angriest guy, and the guy was ready to play. And then I'd look over to my left, Gannon. Gannon would be up, walking sideline to sideline, going to guys, let's go. And then you know who else was there? guy by the name of Tim Brown. Tim Brown, all taped up, rubbing his hands together with Jerry Rice. Everybody was ready to go. And then the big guy, Romanowski, spitting, sneezing snot bubbles, ready to destroy someone. I was there. I was on the sideline working. I saw that, and then Lincoln was in front of everybody just doing this pacing, like, holy, this guy's going to kill someone. How'd that look in New Orleans? Anybody? 
I, I watch and do the pregame show. I, I see nothing. There's no leadership. There's no, hey, everybody come in here right now, slapping helmets. We're, we ready? Here we go. Whose job is that to do that? Who is the leader in this locker room? Who is the leader that's going to change this in Jacksonville? I don't know. I know it's Max. I move Max aside. I don't know who else. I know who it should be, but that's what the show is the rest of the hour before our guests come on. Who is the guy individually we're calling out people? Who's the guy now that's got to at least pretend or act like they're the leader of this team and they're going to fix this thing? It doesn't have to work. They don't they're not they might not beat Jacksonville. I think they will. They might I know they're going to beat Indy. And this Sam Ellinger, I have to get a week more to pronounce his name. They got to they gotta beat him. I think they'll win that game. Fortunately, they got Geno Smith, who's playing way over his head. Geno's going to come back to earth, I promise you. Geno's going to come back to earth. And then Denver's a mess. So I'm trying to find the glasses half full as I have papers ripped up all over here. And Bobby's like, calm down, dude, calm down. Well, I mean, I'm fired up today. We did a good podcast. All right, the phone number. And again, I could care less if you call or not. This is not like I count my call stuff. But the best of the best should be lining up for these two hours because you've been there with me for 24 years. Some of you have been with me, and you should be riding me right now on this topic saying, hey, man, he's, he's on to something. Who's going to step up? 702-365-9200. Here's Chris in West Oakland. Hey, JG. Yeah, I, I, I long for those days in Oakland. I'd get in there early. You forgot, a, you know, an animal like Big Barrett Robbins, Robbins was walking around like a caged animal. You could just tell in pregame warm-ups that team was ready to come out. Maybe it was veteran. Maybe it was, you know, a, a big part of that was Rich Gannon also. Rich Gannon, don't let people fool you. You know, JT, because you were on the inside. This guy was a bastard to play for. I've heard stories that he had teammates wanted to kill him sometimes because he was such a hard ass. But that's what you need sometimes. And I think last year Derek Carr did a great job. With all the turmoil, everything kind of fell on him to be the face of the franchise. He pulled the team together. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't like the body language, frankly, from anybody I'm seeing right now, from the head coach on down. But if it's going to start with somebody, let it start with Derek Carr. That's what you want to blame him for something? Don't blame him when the defense blows a 20-point lead or a 17-point lead. Don't blame him when he gets sacked a half a dozen times. Blame him when the body language sags and everybody kind of plays off him. So it's up to him to come in on Sunday against Jacksonville. No, they've got to put points on the board because, like we said, this defense isn't going to come in and win a 16-14 to 14 game. It's not going to happen. So let me turn my attention to that defense real quick, JT. I want to get to this off my chest. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit yesterday about the trade deadline. And this is my problem, and I'm not going to say it's a problem yet, but Ziggler and McDaniel. This isn't an argument about Belichick and Brady, who was more. It's about the supposed Patriot way. The Patriot way, JT, has never worked anywhere with any assistant that's ever left Belichick because they didn't get to take Tom Brady. If this philosophy is we're going to be conservative, we're not going to make a big splash, well, you know what? You might have to change that because you don't have the greatest quarterback of all time to bail you out, which brings me to Roquan Smith yesterday. You know what? You're right, JT. They would have had to pay him, but that's what you have to do to pay star players. It's easier to find filling players than a guy like Roquan Smith that you can build around for the next five years. The Raiders are $20 million under the cap right now. Money's never 
never been an issue for this team for signing somebody they really wanted. And you mean to tell me a guy was out there to be had with a second round and a fifth round? Hell, I'd have thrown a first rounder and Darren Waller to sweeten the deal because now I've got a player that's going to anchor my defense in the middle of the field to play behind Max Crosby for the next five to eight years because he's entering his prime now. Every elite defense, JT, has a great playmaker at every level. The Raiders have one right now, Max Crosby. You've got to go out and overpay for a guy like Roquan Smith, but just like a Joe Hayden in his prime, Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick a few years ago, last year or two years ago, Jamal Adams. The Raiders, whose defense has sucked for 20 years, continue to never be willing to make a splash. I'm tired of missing on draft picks. Let's take the guy now that we know is an all-pro, Let's pay him the money he deserves and then find the players to go around him. Because this, we're going to be conservative, we're going to play around. That doesn't work because you don't have the greatest quarterback of all time, Dave Ziegler, to make your personnel decisions look better. That being said, I don't know what to think this week with this team, JT. It wouldn't surprise me if they went in and won by two touchdowns. It wouldn't surprise me if they got boat raced again. I don't know what to think at this point. I'm just tired of my Sundays being ruined and my hopes getting up every single year only by, by damn Halloween it seems like our season's over. You're right, man. The grass is half full, but it's half full of booze because that's what I'm going to drink tonight. Later, my friend. All right. Thank you, Chris. A lot to get to. I'll get to that. Breaking news, Ian Rappaport. Shocker. The Falcons are trading wide receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. Raiders play the Jaguars this weekend. Sources say in exchange for complex draft compensation that could be worth a maximum a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 second rounder. Ridley is suspended through at least the 2022 season, as we know. So this is the Jaguars making a move that won't affect the Raiders. Uh, Ian Rappaport, there are conditions attached to the trade with Calvin Ridley. If he gets reinstated by a date, it's worth the 2023 uh, fifth round pick. Also, the Broncos trade Ian Rappaport right before the show. This is surprising. Remember, Raiders play the Broncos. Their best pass rusher is Chubb. Yeah, the Broncos were holding out for a first-round pick and more to deal Bradley Chubb, and that is exactly what they got from the Miami Dolphins, who decided they don't really need any picks. All they want is really, really good players. They got a ton of really good players. On offense, just added a huge one on defense with Bradley Chubb, the former first-rounder, going for a first-rounder. If you say, well, the Dolphins don't have a first-rounder, they actually do. They have San Francisco's first-rounder. That is among the big-time picks that is going over in the deal. Chubb also expected to work out a long-term extension with his new teams that, with his new team that likely will eclipse $20 million per year. Uh, that, those talks are actually ongoing right now. We'll see when they get it done, but a massive, massive move for the Miami Dolphins. All right, so that's a massive move for the Dolphins. They get Chubb, who leaves the AFC West, which is a good thing for the Raiders. You know, back to Chris's call when he talked about, you know, getting Roquan Smith and what they're going to do. I have a lot of confidence in Dave Ziegler. I do. More confidence than I do in Mike Mayock, who I liked a lot, and Reggie McKenzie. Okay? I like everyone, and I think they're all qualified to do the job. From getting to know Dave Ziegler, he has a plan. Okay, so you're looking at the head coach and the GM. They're tied together. They're like brothers. They, they know each other. They go back to college together. It's a two-man, it's a two-headed monster with McDaniels and Ziegler. And Dave's supposed to go out and get the players. And Dave went out and signed some players that were already here. But I think that Dave's trying to load up on money and draft picks so he can go out and get other players 
and then do the Patriot way. What is the Patriot way? To get good players and coach them to be better. Not to buy stars. The Patriots got Randy Moss. They lucked out with Brady, who was a six-round pick, came the greatest of all time. And then a lot of their guys were just guys that you didn't hear about that were on Super Bowl rosters because they did their job and the coaches developed them into something great. We're having a tough time talking about coaching now because the team's not winning. But the plan is solid. It's the plan of Mark Davis and Dave Ziegler. From building the football side through the scouting department, draft picks, free agents, trades with Devontae to try to get this right. The only thing that's not right with the plan so far is the record, and it's only been seven games. We're not at 17, we're not at two years, we're not at three years, and I understand your frustration with that. But there is a plan in place, and the plan is going to be questioned. One last point, Bobby. The plan is going to always be questioned, rightfully so, if the players and the coaches don't show up and put together a great effort. Effort's everything right now. The effort's got to be enormous in Jacksonville. It's got to be over-the-top Kind of like Halloween when you put on a costume. It's got to be Halloweenish the way they look in Jacksonville getting ready for this game. I mean, if you're going to the game, call me and let me know what the pregame looked like because the Raiders should be held back in the tunnel. They're so crazy to get out on the field and play this team. The monologue brought to you by Remy Martin, team up for excellence. 1738 dominates this town. Remy Martin, the botanist gin, a great summertime cocktail that people are pounding into the fall. Why not, Bobby, right? Remy Martin, proud partner of the show. Uh, Open lines. We're going to take your calls to the top of the hour. 702-364-9200 on the flagship of the Silver and Black. There's no shortcut to improving, and uh, you know it starts with me. I got to work hard. They got to work hard. And that's what we're going to do. I think we have a great group in the locker room. They're very resilient. Um, they practice hard. They study. They prepare. Um, you know, again, like I said, if you're going to point a finger, point it at me. Yeah, that's the coach, and he took ownership on it. He's supposed to. He did it. That means a lot to me. Does it mean a lot to you in the Raider Nation? Welcome back. Brought to you by Grimaldi's best pizza I ever had. Elton John tonight. Elton John tonight, which is big. I saw Elton John back in the day when Elton John was big back in the day. He's big now. It's his last concert. He claims. I don't believe that. I don't believe the boxers have their last fight. Uh, I don't. I think Elton John will continue to play. It's his first or second retirement, but should be a great night tonight at Allegiant. I have to work on the radio tonight. I will not be there, but just saw a couple of Raider employees who are going tonight, and they said the place will be packed. It will be a big-time revenue generator and one of the biggest shows at Allegiant. So if you're going to Elton John, have a great time. Welcome to the month of November as we kick off the month of November. And it's critical that the Raiders get multiple wins fast. Multiple wins fast. We have a portion of Patrick Graham's press conference that we'll play in a minute. Steve Nash was just fired by the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. He's out as Nets head coach. Reports are Emi Adoka suspended by the Celtics going to have that job, which is hard to believe. The Celtics didn't fire him because they didn't want to pay him. They suspended him. I don't know exactly how that works, but that's the plan there. Kyrie Irving with anti-Semitic comments in probably the largest concentration of the Jewish community in America, in Brooklyn, and he's out of control, Kyrie Irving, like Kanye. Some people are just out of control. He's out of control. 
Durant wanted to leave. They wouldn't let him leave. The team stinks. They're imploding. I'll say this because we're going to get the NBA here in Vegas, and it's going to work because Vegas is a tourist town. People buy NBA tickets any night of the week. They won't do that for the A's. I promise you. They'll go to the A's. They'll go to a few games. But the NBA will be a monster in this town. This league is out of control now. It's completely out of control with egos. Draymond Green punched a teammate in the face. Nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. Uh, LeBron James' cryptic Instagram messages about he needs help. The play, This league is so star-driven. And Giannis is the best player and the best kid. He's just perfect. He's great. Doesn't say a word. And this isn't me saying shut up and dribble, but you can't say anti-Semitic remarks or point to a documentary that he did and like it. it. Kyrie is a bad guy. He's always been a bad guy. He's dumb. I have no respect for him. I think he's a really stupid guy. I believe in freedom of speech, but there's a penalty with freedom of speech. I work the FCC, satellite radio. There are penalties with the freedom of speech, basically losing your job. You know, there's a certain areas we can go down, but Kyrie Irving, the biggest story in sports today, blew up the NBA, blew up the NFL trade deadline. And Bradley Chubb going. Now, a couple of Raider fans are hitting me on Twitter. What do I think the Raiders are going to do? Nothing. And if they do something, look, are they taking phone calls about Josh Jacobs? I would think so. I think like six teams are probably calling Dave saying, hey, what do you want to give up for Josh Jacobs? Because they're 2-5 and and he's not under contract next year. So I think that's they're probably taking the phone calls, maybe not acknowledging it or, or, or offering anything back in return. I think that Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan Abrams would be out the door today by the end of this trade deadline, but no one's calling. Or anybody's calling that's not offering anything, and they'd like to get something in return. So there's a few players that are locked up under contract. There's a few players that they'd like to move. And I would hope the one thing that they're trying to do is find a backup offensive lineman that they scouted that thinks could be a starter next year, and maybe they can make a trade for a player like that. I think that Dave Ziegler, if he can stockpile five, six, seventh-round picks, he can use a few of those to move up into the third round next year on top of the picks that they have. All right, Joe in Vegas. Joe, thanks for calling in. We appreciate you. Go ahead. Hey, I'm a season ticket holder, okay? I lived in this town for 32 years. I said, if we ever got a pro team, I'm going to back it. Been a long-time Giant fan. I, I support Josh McDaniels. I support this new regime. I do not support Patrick Graham. A longtime Giant fan. He didn't do nothing with the Giants, okay? And he's a good man and stuff like that, but he is not a good defensive coordinator, okay? To me, some of the, they made some Chandler Jones. That's all I heard was Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones all summer long. Mm-hmm. He's a bust. We got to move on from, from it. But this team is soft. They are soft. I go to every game. I'm there an hour and 10 minutes at my seat, and I watch warm ups. And on Sunday's game, Chandler Jones and, and one of the linebackers, and I like him, so I'm not going to say his name, they got Alvin Camaro. They tackled him after seven yards, and they're low-fiving each other. Are you freaking kidding me? They are soft. They showed no heart on Sunday. I'm in construction. We work our butts off every day. We're hurt. We come to work and stuff, and we do our jobs, and we want to go see our team. We pay a lot of money for these season tickets. We pay a lot of money for our beers. We pay a lot of money for the parking. And this team needs to show up for the people that pays their bills. 
Now I'll listen to what. Well, hold on, on, hold on a second, because a lot of the, what you said, we're gonna after your call, put you on hold. We have a fifty dollars Grimaldi gift card for you here. Go to Grimaldi's, get the Brooklyn Bridge, get the salads, treat yourself at Grimaldi's. When we get a good Vegas local call, we do that. So thank you for doing that. Uh, look, I have nothing. I have no nothing to say after that call. The guy's a construction worker. He's a season ticket holder. He's spending a lot of money. He talked about the prices of beer and food, and he's in his seat, and he just doesn't like what he's saying. That's what we're doing here. We're trying to figure out how the Raiders can get better um, and what they need to do with Patrick Graham. Uh, Graham came in highly touted. I saw the games that he coached. I thought the Giants' defense tore up the Raiders last year. Remember that? Raiders went into New York, New Jersey, and lost to the Giants. That probably helped Patrick Graham get this gig. You know, what I know about Patrick Graham is I think he has a really good scheme, and I think that he doesn't have the players to execute it at the level he'd like to. But, you know, too bad. you got to go with what you have. So I think what's going on now, and I'm pretty confident with what I'm about to say, is the Raiders have a really exotic and a really strong scheme. They need better players to run it. And you, I know you understand that with Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels did it. The problem I'm having with Josh McDaniels' offense is the execution of the quarterback to take that up a notch. So I'd like to see more motion. I want to see more up tempo. I think that I really believe that Devontae's stagnant and Devontae needs to be moved around a little bit more, but he doesn't have Darren Waller. And if you have Waller standing in place and Devontae in motion or Devontae standing in place and Waller in motion, it changes everything. I really think that the offense could, in theory, in theory, go through Waller if he's at 100% because of what he can do after the catch and how he could get open and how he's a 50-50 ball catcher like Devontae. You got two, and I'm going to throw Matt Collins in here too because Matt Collins has had a good year. He'll catch anything that you throw near him. You got three players that could go and get a ball. And Bobby and I were talking about this before the show. Follow me here. You got three oversized guys who are taller and stronger. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Matt Collins. All aggressive, big, tall, and can catch. And Derek's not forcing the ball to him. Like, if, if they're not open, they're not getting a look. you got to throw these guys open. And Derek doesn't have a lot of time. What bothers me the most about last game is if Derek had a really bad game, which he did, and the offensive line played okay, then you could really jump on Derek and go, come on, man, the offensive line's been run blocking like a beast. They did a decent job pass protecting for you. What the hell's going on? You threw for 100 yards, you didn't get past the 50-yard line. Problem is, the offensive line was awful. It was terrible. It affected Carr, where Carr didn't have a game. So everyone was to blame in this game. Everyone. And in regards to Chandler Jones, if we could all go back in the hot tub time machine, that deal never happens. But the deal happened because they thought they had something with him. And for whatever reason, he just cannot fire off the ball, which is a theme coming off New Orleans that the team wasn't ready to play. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Snow Raider out in beautiful Lake Tahoe. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> real quick, last uh, about two weeks ago, you had the UNLV hockey coach on there. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Thanks for uh, making me re- aware of that program and stuff. I think it's great how it's growing. Mm-hmm. My son plays ice hockey, and I'm an ice hockey coach too. And it, it's kids. They're 10 to 12. But if the kids aren't out there hustling and they're not putting any effort out there, Guess what? They're not going to play. That's what I saw on Sunday. The Raiders looked dead out there. The last time they were in New Orleans, 
car was running for first downs. He's getting somersaulted, hit outside, out of bounds stuff. Mm-hmm. They won that game. They looked great. This week, they looked lifeless and dead. Uh, I don't disagree so much with what you said about Waller being hurt, but, hey, what if Waller plays one play in that game and then gets hurt? It's next man up. Next man's got to get up, carry the team, carry his teammate that's playing out there, and play with your hearts out, even if you lose the game. But to go out there and get skunked with no effort at all is demoralizing. So I'm going to close with this. Each player down there in Florida better look in the mirror and say, it's gut check time. Each and every player, wake up, decide if you're going to give it your 100% or not. If you're not, tell the coaches you don't want to play and stop playing football. I'll end with that. Thank you, JT. Thank you, Bobby. Raiders got to get gut check time and get a win and move forward. Yeah, yeah, appreciate the call. Look, uh, again, I think these guys really want to play hard. I think they really want to get after it. I think they want to win for you, the fans. They're in a rough patch here, and I don't know what it's going to take to get out of it other than leadership. We just got a sniff of it with Josh Jacobs' three games, which were unbelievable. Marcus Allen-level performances. He did his job. Now, the Raiders didn't do their job in the last game. They were dominated. It only happens once or twice in a career, Josh McDaniel said. It's a bad moment. It's a bad moment for this franchise. The owner isn't happy. The head coach isn't happy. The quarterback's pissed off. Everybody's pissed off, and the fans are pissed off. We get it. And that's why we have a flagship station, one of 32. And we're here to talk about it and, you know, put the pressure on the team from our aspect of doing a radio show but understanding there's more to this. And what's more to this, you don't have to agree with. I just want you to acknowledge it. Acknowledge that there's a lot going on here. It's different from the Gruden emails to Henry Ruggs to what happened, Basaccia interim, get to the playoffs, coaching change, building a new football side of the building, building the other side of the building with the new president. Everything that you don't want to elaborate on and you shouldn't because you just want to have a beer, a hot dog, and get a win. And I'm very aware of that, and that's why we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Big hour coming up. Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders. I think he's doing a hell of a job. His calls have been great. Then we'll get to Shane Knighty, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Eight and two out of the gate, Bobby. Eight and two. Like that. Jack Eichel. Play the Eichel goal coming up. And then Paul Gutierrez from Sarasota, to put this in perspective, as he covers the Raiders for ESPN. Brought to you by the Castaverde Law Group, our personal injury attorneys. You know, I just think that veteran leadership presence is important, and it's important to have that in your best players. And, and so I thought that was good to see him step up this week. And you know what? He didn't just step up in his words. He stepped up in his actions, and I think that's what a real leader does. That's Dennis Allen. As Dennis Allen beat the Raiders, that stinks in a big way. JT, back with you. Elton John coming up. Not on the show, but coming up here in Vegas. And hopefully everybody's having a good week. Hopefully everybody had a safe Halloween. The kids enjoyed it. And everybody was in a great position here. So, you know, good. A lot of candy, a lot of fun. Vegas is a Halloween town. Hopefully you have some great fun this week. We will be at the M Resort early, early, early again. And we're excited about that. We'll be there Sunday for the pregame show with Eric Allen. 8 a.m. we begin for another back-to-back 8 a.m. game. Matt in Vegas. You're up next, Matt. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. 
Yeah, so JT, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, obviously a lot been said and enough of what we all saw on Sunday. But, you know, but the, the two things that I wanted to cover, one, the D, D overall, but back to Chandler Jones, right? Um, I mean, you know, I look at Von Miller being used in Buffalo and how they're using him. Why, why are they going more? And I, I guess, you know, behind him, Coons went back and maybe can't fill other voids that they have. But, you know, it just seems like he's got to come off the field a little bit to get his. Well, he did. Underneath he him. did come out. Yeah. He had less snaps in this last game with Chandler Jones. I mean, look, this is a situation where. The only one who can fix this is Chandler Jones. I mean, you're not going to line. You can move around him and Max and figure this out, but Chandler Jones is the guy who's going to have to beat his man off the ball. He's not getting double teamed. I thought he was playing better in the run game as of late, but in the last game he played 62% of the snaps. He played 40 snaps. Max Crosby played 59. I mean, come on. Chandler Jones getting a boatload of money to play 40 snaps and have no impact on the game. I mean, little impact. He's doing some things well that we're not breaking down. But overall, I mean, that's a lot of money and a lot of trust went into Chandler Jones to be a better player. And either he got very old overnight, he's a slow starter, or I'm not sensing there's an injury, but a lot of times guys aren't right when they're playing at this level. I don't know what the case is. I'm trying to figure it out like you. It's something, yeah. I mean, it seemed like the same for even him because they knew he was slow. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, the other one on, on the offensive side, and, you know, where, where is Hunter Renfro, right? You know, I, I I get that Waller's out. I get maybe the energy suck that that took out of the team going to that game. But, I mean, that that still doesn't resonate with me with their backs against the wall going two and four and the way they played. And I know they've been close but no cigar type of stuff, but, they really right. Where where is Hunter Renfro? Where are the other options? Where's I think some of this play calling, and I can't tell. Maybe I'm not watching the game film as, as much as I should be, but where where is he? Like I don't. Mm-hmm. I, how many catches did he have on the season? I know he was hurt. I know he had the concussion and, and all that. But I where why are they not calling his number on mm-hmm. some of these these drives where it just seems like they're tossing up the De- Devontae going down the sideline or Matt Collins are taking a, a shot with. I don't. I don't see. I'm in shock. I'm I'm in shock that they can't get Hunter Renfro open at the line of the scrimmage on a quick count, a quick snap out of the shotgun. Ball comes out after two yards at a minimum. You know, everybody's been talking. Everybody, everybody's talking about fourth and one and the jet sweep and getting stopped and what happens in short running downs. And I agree on short running downs. The other team, you got to give the other team credit for stuff in the box and trying to take the runaway. Everybody, every Raider fan's freaking out on what to do. And this is part of the bad luck I was talking about with Bobby. In year two, well, last year with the Raiders when they won 10 games, they'd hit a short pass over the middle of the field and they'd get 11 yards. Now they're getting eight. And now instead of it being first and 10, it's third and one or third and two. And they're just, none of that's right. Because then they panic, they don't panic, but then on third and two, it's not easy. You think run it? Oh, run it to Josh up the middle. Well, no, the other defensive coordinator is putting everyone in the box, and then they run a jet sweep to Devontae and it gets stopped. But you can't explain to me why Cutter can't get open on third and two, and here's why he's not open, in my opinion. And Josh McDaniels knows a lot more than I'll ever forget more than I know, because they're not moving Derek. Derek's got to move. If Derek can extend the play, everybody gets open, right? It happens with Josh Allen. It happens with Patrick Mahomes. It happens with Lamar Jackson. And so extend the play. I, if you let Derek sit in the pocket, he's going to get 
creamed. He's going to go down. He's going to feel the pocket collapse. You know what Josh Allen does? He takes off and runs for a first down. Derek can do that. He's not doing that this year. I don't know why. He's not coming off a broken ankle. I don't know why he's not doing it. So what I would do as a fan is I would just sprint the pocket out to the right. Derek's in the shotgun, third and two. Derek gets the snap. He sprints right, and he's just throwing it like he's playing flag football, and then Hunter just peels off three yards. Not ten, three. Boom. First down. Whew. First down. Everyone get back to the huddle. Now you go to the huddle because this team takes forever in the huddle. It's like the sands through the hourglass. They just sit in the huddle all game. Pick up the pace and let Derek be athletic outside the pocket. Because sitting him inside the pocket in 2022 is not working. Because the offensive line is not great at pass protection. That's what I think. What do you think? All right, hour number one. It flew by. Hour number two, Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. What he saw from his perch and what he sees going forward. Also, Shane Knighty, broadcaster Vegas Golden Knights, and Paul Gutierrez as we continue. 